it's a typical thing for me to mention how hesitant I am to talk about a particular movie, and I don't think there's any exception, even especially with a Scorsese film. And I mean, when you're talking about The Departed, that's a tough one. Not because it's a difficult film to process. I mean, frankly, it's a great film to talk about because, I mean, it's fucking Leo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, and Jack fucking Nicholson, and one of the last remaining good roles he had over the recent over recent years. I mean, when's the last time we've seen Nicholson in a film? I mean, the last one I heard he was in was in a movie called How Do You Know, which was, strangely enough, by the director of As Good As It Gets. I don't know why that's strange, given that, I mean, actors work with pre uh, previous filmmakers from time to time, but it's kind of amazing how some directors direct these incredible films like As Good As It Gets, which, I, although I think it's a little overrated, it's still a good, pleasant, believable film as opposed to something... Like, How Do You Know, which I heard was kind of a snooze fest and just an average film, and Jack Nicholson practically had nothing to do with it. And now, I mean, I don't know how true the rumors are that he's suffering from dementia or he's just given up or he's just retired from acting. I don't really know. I don't follow that. I mean, the most recent thing I see about Jack Nicholson is some viral clip about some random strangers asking him about what he thinks about the recent actor to play the Joker, whether it's Joaquin Phoenix or his comments on Heath Ledger, which were kind of random, but anyway, going back to The Departed, it's not an easy film for me to talk about, but then again, any film made by Scorsese is not easy to talk about, given the depth that Scorsese is known for. I mean, any film he works on is bound to be riddled with all sorts of mysteries, clues, and allegories about the nature of the human condition. And I think The Departed is very instrumental in that, because Essentially, it's a film about identity. And when you think about identity, we're only just venturing into a rabbit hole that's riddled with all sorts of complexities and the kind that I don't think you're ever going to get a definitive answer because I think one of the most important questions about the human condition that still plagues us is, who am I? And The Departed presents this in a multitude of fact, of fact I mean, of characters, not factions, Jesus. Well, factions, yes, given the environment as well. And speaking of environment, that just brings me closer to the quote that Jack Nicholson's character, Frank Costello, I almost called him Elvis Costello, but I don't fall for that trap, even though I am a big Elvis Costello fan. Okay, I'm not a big Elvis Costello fan, but I enjoy his fucking music. God, you can't really say you're a big fan of anybody nowadays because you just come off as kind of a poser. I don't even know who uses the term poser anymore as a form of offense. But anyway, going back to The Departed and the environment quote. The one that uh, Jack Nicholson's character, Frank, still not Elvis, Costello said, I want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. And <laughs> there's something very telling about that. I mean, it tells you what kind of person he is. He's a man who loves not only loves power, but he loves the sense of control and optionality it gives him, the ability to control the world. And although I'm not necessarily, I'm, I don't believe in solipsism, even though I'm a little attracted to it, which is the philosophical view that nothing exists outside your own mind. And what brought me awareness to this was a clip from this anime called Bikano, and I'll even attach a link down below, where a character named Claire Stanfield says that the truth of the matter is I'm never going to be killed. The world is mine. This world is completely mine. As it came to me in a dream. My dream. And he even comments that the two people he's even interacting with 
are just ghosts in his head. And there's something very intoxicating about that speech, and it reminds me of Costello's line about, I want my environment to be a product of me. This need for control, this need to dominate, this need to make sure the world works according to how your mind frames it. Now, I don't think he's declaring himself a solipsist in that sense, but there is something enticing about that approach because it just ties more to his sense of identity and who he is, what he values, and what he's been through. It even shows clips of riots in Boston. And I don't really know much, I don't know any history about the city of Boston. I mean, based on what The Departed shows, that footage and just the way some bo- the attitude of some old school Bostoniers, I hope I'm putting that properly. I hope I'm not insulting anybody who considers themselves from Boston or is proud to be because I always had it. Like, I've kind of had this mild fascination with Boston people. I feel like they're just like, they, I mean, if you could sit down and have a beer of a, Boston, a person from Boston and just tell a few jokes, you're going to be fucking getting along real well. Oh, God, I hope I didn't butcher that. But basically, I mean, anytime you talk with somebody from Boston, that accent and the thickness of it just rubs off on you so much. But again, going back to the history and the environment of Boston, you get a sense that there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of racial and religious tension there that hasn't really died down. And obviously that's shown in The Departed. And when Frank talks about his environment being a product of him, it just all goes, it just... It goes back to that need for control and his how he just desires power so much that he wants to control the environment around him. And in that environment, there are other people. And it's made well known that Frank Costello, the character, is a mob boss. He considers and he can he conflates himself with the no, he compares himself with the Knights of Columbus as who he regards to as true guineas, which means he doesn't really have a lot of respect for the Italian mafia. As the film also clarifies that there's a lot of beef between the Italians and the Irish overall. But when Frank makes that point, you see how much of an influence plays on the other characters, whether it's Colin Sullivan, Matt Damon's character, who is, I mean, you wouldn't call him the antagonist of the film so much as an antagonist, but a very empathetic one, given that it's very hard for a person to really escape the environment they're brought up in. And that still goes back to the reverse side of Frank Costello's statement about, I don't want to be a product of an environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. So outside of him, the environment he's creating is becoming an environment that creates, that makes it products of the people in it. And Colin Sullivan is a prime example of that. Prior to doing this review, I did watch a few analysis videos on The Departed because I just wanted, in, I wanted to research to some extent, not cram myself, but just get enough of a sense of where I could go with this review because I always felt that The Departed was a very deep film. It was not just a great crime thriller and a great crime drama, but it was also a deep existential exploration of what it means to understand yourself where you come from and what it really means to embrace yourself or what, especially when identity factors in so many aspects of your life, especially the past and the three principal characters of the film, whether it's DiCaprio's uh, Billy Costigan or 
Matt Damon's Colin Sullivan or even Frank Costell of uh, Jack Nicholson's Frank Costell. They're all they're all balancing their own sense of identity. I mean, we know more about Billy Costigan's past from what other characters tell us, especially when he's being screened for to become a state police officer in the Boston State Police Department. And but with Colin, we get a sense of it from the fl- the opening intro of the film with his interaction with Frank Costello, who kind of reels him into his gang with charm, charisma, and this surrogate fatherly influence that it's very difficult for a young child to get away from. I mean, and I personally believe that the role of a father does play a big part in the identity that children, a child can incorporate in later into life. Now, I'm not saying that every child who is raised by a single mom is going to be psychologically damaged. But I do think that the role of a father or the lack of a role of a father plays deeply into that so much so that you obviously see the way that when Colin Sullivan first interacts with Frank Costello, that he's not only just charmed and fascinated by him, but he's drawn into the sense of power and control that it gives you. And I think those elements are very two important factors in identity. I mean, Knowing yourself, in a way, does have a sense, give you a sense of power and control. Because I think as the world continues to become more complicated, more complex, and just conflated with a multitude of issues that can influence the decisions you make and further contribute to the identity of which you ascribe to, finding something to hold on to or someone to hold on to, if I'm putting it properly, can make a difference. I don't know. I mean, I'm ho- I hope I'm doing this review right because I really do appreciate The Departed. And I mean, I've watched it multi- multiple times since 2008 when I first saw it. You know, quite the year to see a great film right before The Wall of Time. You watch shit. Even though those are two highly un- unrated, unrelated things. I mean, I got a better shot at comparing the situation going on with China right now what's not cool to have been in the film where Frank Costello sells microprocessing chips to the Chinese. Well, not necessarily. He sells them fake processors, but there's a moment where Martin Sheen's character, Captain Dignam, not, not Dignam, that's Mark Wahlberg's character, uh, Captain Queenan, says that, that, if, that Costello is selling the Chinese military technology and there will be a war with them. And ironic that that's now a topic of discussion. Uh, not trying to get into the geopolitical angle or any geopolitical angle because I'm not trying to be controversial. I mean, if that gets me more viewers or just starts a conversation in this episode of the podcast, at least I'm doing my fucking job as a podcaster because I just don't want to re- talk about this movie as if I'm reading a fucking script. I mean, I already had enough doubts talking about this film and what it says about myself, but then I remembered a moment from Taxi Driver, another Scorsese classic. For those who have not seen it, I tell you, get out, take your head out of your ass, and go see it. I'm joking, of course, but seriously, go see Taxi Driver. Okay, no, the moment I'm discuss- I'm referring to is a moment in Taxi Driver where Peter Boyle's character, Wizard, as he's known for, because you never know his real name, according to Robert De Niro's Travis Bickle, he says, we're all fucked. More or less. And I think that's a good way of approaching anything, really. I'm not saying you should just live life with a fuck it attitude. 
that was my attempt at uh, imitating Murray Winston's character from The Departed, Mr. French, when, when he commits suicide, he just says, fuck it. Which, at the same time, eh, ballsy guy at least. He's actually a character I really did like in the film because he's just, I don't know, there's just something about Ray Winston that that Australian charm you can't resist. I mean, it's like Bill Maher said, I never met an Aussie that wasn't life, the life of the party. We can make an exception for Russell Crowe, even though I do like him as an actor. He has gotten deeper shit than you ever know for other Aussies. I mean, look at any interview of Heath Ledger and you're just, damn. Why is it that good guys like that die, but yet dickheads like the President of the United States go on living? I'm sorry, I know. Not trying to start controversy, but I think when even a musician from the Rolling Stones who is the same age as the President can dance like a fucking motherfucker, as opposed to the one who keeps tripping, I think I'm a little warranted in calling him a dickhead. Plus, he does, he did advocate for war. I know, I know, I'm not trying to get political, but might as well add a little iron, a little cynical humor into this because what the hell? I mean, plenty of Scorsese's films do embrace some form of cynicism from time to time. Not saying they're deeply pessimistic because even Silence, a film which probably would depress anybody at, at first viewing, does have optimism, some optimism in the end, regardless of whether you're a religious person or not. So long as you have some, some com- oh god, my tongue twisted there. So long as you have some sense of conviction. So going back to the party, and I keep saying going back, but you know, when it comes to doing reviews, I'm gonna trail off and just go wherever I can because it's the most honest way I can really talk about a movie as opposed to just talking about the most intellectually stimulating aspects of it. And I'm not saying that intellectual stimulation isn't part of this this gig or whatever you want to call it. I mean. I don't know if I even consider myself a podcaster at heart. I just love talking about movies and getting deep into them. Or go deep, as Eddie Bravo would say. Oh, God. I can't really help imitating anybody that just fascinates me. By the way, for anybody who listened to my prior episodes, do check out the Eddie Bravo podcast. Eddie Bravo podcast. Look, look into it. Because... It is a fantastic podcast, and he's had many guests, and I do have an admiration for him. But now, truly going back to The Departed, identity plays a big role role in our lives, and knowing who you are is not easy. And as the world continues to grow more complicated, it becomes even harder. I mean, look at today with the, the immense tidal wave of social media, and even just describing it that way, feels rather gentle, but you look at the way people just use social media in a way as ascribing an identity to them. It's inherently toxic and self-destructive, especially with the virtue signaling aspect. I was listening to a podcast, The Modern Wisdom One with Chris Williamson, which is a great podcast, where he interviewed, or just spoke with, because it doesn't even feel like an interview, it just feels like two guys talking. He was talking with the comedian, Mark Normand, who is just fucking hilarious. Just the sound of his voice, his dark humor, Especially pedophilia jokes, which I'm sorry, I laugh at them. When a comedian is willing to go that far without any shame and not trying to hurt anybody, fuck it. It's just hard not to laugh at. But they were just talking about how today people are, are just more depressed than ever or looking to create an enemy out of nothing. And social media plays a big part of that. I mean, 
the person, the fact that a person can post, put a posting on Twitter or Facebook or whatever app they use to show how great a person they are, or just to avoid being considered a bad person, it's, it's a really weird version of a double-edged sword. It's like playing Russian, it's like playing Russian roulette, but instead of one, one bullet being in the chamber, only one, one, there's multiple, it has more than one bullet. Oh God, I mean, I'm butchering that. But basically, only one chamber, only one part of that chamber is, it has, is missing a bullet and the rest are filled with bullets. So one way or the other, you're shooting yourself in the head off believing that they're well, still relying on that small bit of hope that maybe if I say the right thing or avoid, avoid saying the wrong thing, I'm not totally fucking myself. But the fact that that's becoming part of how people ascribe a sense of identity to themselves is terrifying and even very depressing. I mean, especially when you're trying to understand yourself. And I think that Leo DiCaprio and Matt Damon's characters are the one, the two characters in this film who are plagued with that. I mean, for those unfamiliar with the plot of The Departed, just it's basically a cat and mouse game between cops and, and criminals. And that's another thing that is posed in the film when Martin Sheen's character asks uh, Leo DiCaprio, let me ask you something. Do you want to be a cop or someone pretending to be a cop? Well, it's an honest question. Most people just want to pretend to be cops. Gun, badge, pretend they're on TV. Basically, they want to project the idea of what a police officer is as opposed to being one. But that itself feels like a double-edged sword of a question because it all ties back to a sense of identity. I mean, the guys who want to pretend to be cops are usually are, and you can often interpret them as being these macho, these macho douchebags who drink beers, eat donuts, or just like to enforce this, this aggressive authority that demonstrates their strength more so than necessary, and that's why you can often see why some people have a bad perception of cops. I certainly have a mistrust given that stereotype, and I should really let go of that, but it's impossible when given the, the equal amount of anxiety that a lot of police officers are under, especially with the job they got to deal with. I mean, they got to deal with all sorts of people, murderers, rapists, or just violent offenders that can just jack their heart rate to a new level to the point where they don't know how they're going to react. And even if they do respond properly, that itself can end up fucking them. I mean, a lot of police officers nowadays won't even do their job because if they're filmed doing something wrong or even film doing something that's perceived as wrong, it can be career-ending. And I mean, look, this all goes back to 2020 with the George Floyd riots. And what Derek Chauvin did was about question fucked up, evil, I don't think of George Floyd as a hero, but I certainly don't see, I want to condemn him either because I don't know the guy. He did some bad shit in his life, and clearly that's not something you like to lie about, but I mean, to hold that over him as if he was constantly doing that shit after he had been, he had tried to fix his life is a little absurd too. But the point is, I'm going with Martin Sheen's question about whether you want to be a cop or pretend to be a cop, that film, not question, stays with the, with the two characters in the film oh, for a very long time. And when you learn about uh, Leo DiCaprio, Billy Costigan's past, you realize 
He's a good, very intelligent, very intuitive human being, but he also has a violent temper. And he comes from a background that he clearly wants to distance himself from because, let's be honest, he came from a family of gangsters, or at least one half of his family is comprised of gangsters, so much so that he does everything in his power to avoid it. But ironically, it's that that's used for him to infiltrate the Irish mob. And that obviously puts not only puts his life at risk, but also puts his sense of identity at risk. And this is mostly known in his sessions with Madeline, uh, Vera Farmiga's character, who becomes the love interest between him and Matt Damon's character. And I'll talk about that later, because there was something I, I found rather interesting in my own research about The Departed, because how it related her, to her relationship with Colin Sullivan, who she was mainly tied to. She's simply being the therapist for Leo DiCaprio's Billy Costigan, even though she herself starts falling for him. But, oh God, am I losing my train of thought? No, I'm not losing my train of thought. I'm back to it. He basically talks about the emotional issues he's been battling over the course of his rehabilitation or his fake prison stint. Because in order for him to infiltrate the Irish mob... He had to fake go. Well, he had to go to prison legitimately, but it was part. It was basically, obviously, part of a process to for him to look authentic, as if he actually were a criminal. Now he didn't get some special treatment. He was actually sent to prison for some fake sense of some fake. Uh, he was sent to prison for some fake charge, assault, and obviously was considered believable given his background. But the interesting thing about that is that he was willing to do it. I mean, it wasn't easy, but the fact that he was willing to sacrifice, that he was willing to put himself in a position where he's in prison with people who are far more violent or accustomed to violence than he was, and even as opposed to getting a job as a police officer, tells you something that he's not only he wasn't really interested in being a cop, and that's very clear throughout the film and near the end of it. But the fact that he was willing to do something that could permanently kind of remove him from the dark side of his family lineage says a lot it's like a fan <laughs> there's that there's that huh I do which is kind of like an ironic but nervous tick but I guess there's a character that's very similar I mean for those who are anime fans and hopefully those of you who are anime fans do know about the anime code Geass but and if you don't want to hear about it you can turn off the video but I'm going to go into a bit of spoiler territory the main character is the prince of some imperial empire known as Britannia, but yet he wants to obliterate it. He wants to do everything to distance himself from that empire and even destroy it for some idea of a greater good he perceives. And I kind of side with that a bit, even though his methods are a little extreme. And I think there's a lot of similarities between that, between him, that character and Billy Costigan, who... As I mentioned, he faked... I mean, he didn't really fake go to prison. He went to fucking prison, and you see that in the film. It's over... It's that, that pressure. It's all kept over his shoulder. That that tense but controlled anxiety of being near... Of sitting next to murderers and rapists, killers. The kind of people that do shit so sick that it would probably drive you insane or, or make, cause you to start drinking or taking all sorts of drugs. But... He describes in his session how you're sitting next to a murderer, a murderer, and your heart rate is jacked. For most people, their hand shakes. Mine, it does not shake. And 
that's very telling. And I learned about that in my research because I did just research Costello. I researched Sullivan and Costigan. Well, that's understandable because they are the main players in this story. But when he says his hand doesn't shake, that doesn't mean he's some stoic badass. I mean, considering his circumstances, he remains relatively calm when he's out in the open. But out, But in private, he doesn't mean... It's very difficult for him not to self-destruct. Now that he doesn't mean he doesn't, he doesn't fall. Doesn't mean he falls off a fucking wagon, but he does lose some aspects of control. But obviously, as a way of relieving tension, and who wouldn't? If you were sitting next to people who have practically gutted other people who maybe work in the same field, you're definitely going to be fucked up to some extent. And Billy Costigan, as a character was willing to go through that pain just to get to truly have some meaning in his life or you could say a sense of himself because even though the film when he's first introduced before we learn anything about his past he's definitely presented as very intelligent and very well man oriented he's academic but then you learn about the violence of his past and how he did everything how he's done everything to try and distance himself from that. And even Mark Wahlberg's character, Staff Sergeant Dignam, says that when he's mocking him, that he probably, when he was living with his dad and living his mom on the side, he probably used two different as- as- accents. I almost said aspects. That would have been stupid. But he says that you were probably using two different accents while you were with one parent or the, with one parent and one with you, while you were with another. And it's a mocking it's a mocking gesture, but the fact that he doesn't deny it tells you, yep, he was pretending to do two different people. And that even relates to another thing that Mark Wahlberg's character says to him when he can't stand pretending no playing the undercover game anymore. He says, Calm down, people do this every day. And what he's referring to is not that everybody goes undercover every day. Well to some extent they do, but he's more talking about it in the broader sense, in the big picture of how we all wear these masks. We all play these roles out in public as opposed to the real person we are in private. But even the person we are in private is a fucking... It could just be an, a projection of who we are. I mean, I don't know how anybody, how many people listening are familiar with the work of Sam Harris, the neuroscientist, but he talks about how the idea of itself is an illusion. And this all even goes back to something that a, a character from True Detective, played by Matthew McConaughey, Russ Cole, who I mentioned in Dallas, my Dallas Buyers Club review, said that, that yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact quote, but he said it was all a dream. A dream you had. The dream of being a person. And when he made it, no, that was a bad, that was probably a terrible Matthew McConaughey impression, but the fact that he was referring to the idea of the idea of the self, the, the self that we all create for ourselves, it all goes back to Harris's idea about how the self is an illusion and how not even tied, like, even tied to identity. I mean, what is an identity? Is it really just an idea? Is it something objective, definitive? What, may, what would make it definitive or objective? And I don't think that Departed is ever going to be a film that answers that question. The fact that Leo DiCaprio is just simply trying to avoid having the identity that would naturally be ascribed to someone with his background is telling itself, but it doesn't necessarily give him a new identity. It just avoids him having an identity that the public 
or public perception would naturally have ascribed to him or something he wouldn't he probably would have ascribed to himself if he had been more complacent or more passive but he's clearly not a passive person he is desperately trying to get away from it even if that means plunging himself deeper into the much darker aspects of it just to see if he can truly wipe it clean and for those of you who have seen the departed based on his fate I well, that's up for debate too. Because even though he is killed near the end of the film in one of the most the biggest fuck you demises of a hero ever, I'm not saying that it wasn't a good creative choice. I thought that was a brilliant way and a good twist. But at the same time, you do feel that there's some tragedy there, given that Billy Costigan is just is very is a very noble and endearing character very believable very relatable too because i think anybody who struggles with a sense of identity that was crafted by the environment that they were in they're gonna want it it's gonna play a role in the decisions they make the perceptions they have of themselves and whether it's a rough childhood or just something that is so fucking messy that you just want to do everything you can to at least do something different and have a better understanding of yourself the fact that he dies in the midst of that, it is very tragic. And I think an equally tragic character in this film is Colin Sullivan, because even though I wouldn't say he's a sympath, that's tough too, because he carries his own level of anxiety. And when you grow up in an environment where your surrogate father figure, Frank Costello, is basically, it feels like, like a caring presence, especially when you didn't have any people around. It's very difficult to condemn any bad things they do entirely, like saying it was entirely their fault. Now, obviously, acting as if Colin Sullivan didn't have any direct responsibility for the choices he made, he made would be very intellectually irresponsible to me, but at the same time, that moment when he's in the elevator with Billy Costigan after he's, his identity has been revealed, or if he's just been caught, to some extent he's about to be exposed, he just, just fucking kill me. but you can just feel the despair in his voice and you don't, I don't, I didn't feel like, yeah, suffer, you prick, especially after he got Martin Sheen's character killed and all the horrible things he did, all the lies he told and even just the douchebaggery he should, he demonstrates to Vera Farmiga's character who I think in many ways he just has a girlfriend for the sake of status and that was something I learned as part of my research into Colin Sullivan. I'll discuss that in a moment. But going back to that moment where he just wants to die, you actually do feel empathy for him because at the same time, his relationship with Costello, although he's been a loyal soldier to him and he's been like a surrogate father to him, you can see some complications because you don't get the sense that Colin really enjoys doing what he does with Frank. You know, he definitely enjoyed a lot of benefit from him in terms of his ability to climb up in the police department very well or even to or even just to have a more financially beneficial career as a result of it. I mean, he works with the mafia, so he's definitely going to reap some piece of that cake. But you get the sense that he would love to do something differently. And it's mentioned in the film that he's going to law school to become a lawyer part-time as opposed to just simply being a state police officer. 
And although that isn't touched on as much as I probably would have liked, that isn't a major part of his character. No, it's, it's, a, it's a part of his character. A, well, I would describe a major part. It all ties back to his own perception of what he views as his own identity. And yeah, I mentioned there's something status-based about that. But it isn't like fr- it isn't thrusted on on the audience so much as to get an idea that this guy his main purpose in life is to be a lawyer. I think he doesn't even know what he really wants to be. At least, or he just has a misconception of what it me- what he understands and meaning what he wants to be. Oh God, now that's just the way I'm phrasing that. Just sounds weird. But I guess my point I'm, the point I'm making is. He has struggled with so much uncertainty as to who he is because he's either had people, so many people influence him so much that he doesn't even know what he wants to be or doesn't want to be. But it's just the... And I think he, he repressed it for so long. That's why prior to that moment of despair, he basically yells at Leo DiCaprio, I hope you enjoy this for as long as you can, you fucking cocksucker. This is going to be fucking hilarious because he... He's basically playing the whole the bull, the idea of how like he continues to lie and bullshit of how of how he's just going to continue lying and how anybody else who tries to catch him in his lies is going to look like a fool. But obviously, if it's like a desperate attempt to protect himself psychologically, but then he automatically flips into that moment of despair because after so much time of repression and denial, it's just finally caught up and destroyed him and. Again, that's why I guess you can empathize with Colin because, I mean, he is, I could say on some, on on a basic level, is he a bad person? Well, when it comes to morality in films like The Departed, and strangely enough, you're talking about the FBI, the, the state police department, morality is basically like a gray area to say, to really say something definitive. And even Costello, evil as he is, does say, do you want to be a cop or a criminal? And those two can go hand in hand. But he said, and then he ends it with, when you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? And there is some truth to that. There are plenty of cops who are not corrupt, who are good people, and yet, ironically, they still end up suffering. They end up receiving very little reward for their service. Yet some criminals reap the benefits of their criminal lifestyle and they don't even suffer any consequences. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's no such thing as karma, but at the end of the day, I mean, we live in a world today where people that, where people that do a lot of fucked up shit continue to get away with shit. I mean, I've seen enough Joe Rogan episodes where he's ranted about Big Pharma and how they just get away with all this fucked up shit and all these fucked up pharmaceuticals. And yeah, they get sued for a a boatload of money, but they just pay the fine. And they continue doing the same thing over and over again to the point where like, okay, where is this thing called karma? Where is it? Yeah, they got caught, but they're going to continue doing what they do because they know how to bribe the right people, clearly. But the fact that even the people they bribe don't end up suffering most of the time. I mean, eventually when shit hits the fan, there's always a fall guy. But even that, the fall guy, is someone that is so goddamn irrelevant that you're not even going to remember their name in a few years, even if the impact of what they did is still felt on a wider scale. Take, for instance, the 2008 financial crisis. 
We all knew those banks were doing what they were doing with those fucking, un- uh, uh, those terrible housing loans. And yet, none of the banks paid. They were all bailed out. And only one, apparently, uh, I mean, I'm only taking this from the big short, but the absurdity in which that film paints it that only one guy went to prison, and he was, and he's taken, treated as the fall guy, but he's also treated as a lightweight, as someone that probably did know that some fucked up shit was going on, but to say he was like the main player or even a player at the table, that is something that you just gotta laugh at. And I've seen that with many situations today in films like The Departed, some way or the other. It just feels like karma is kind of a bad joke that people cling to too many times to take it seriously. That I don't, I don't totally dismiss what Costello's saying. I'm not advocating for anybody to become a gangster or to go out and become a killer like he is because he is clearly a killer. He is sadistic. I mean, he definitely enjoys watching people fall as he shoots them in the back of the head. I mean, even though that moment is perceived with some comedic humor, he says, Jesus, she fell funny. And even as associate, Mr. French, played by Ray Winston, is like, Francis, you really need to see somebody. The irony is that he is a stone-cold killer as well, but he doesn't enjoy what he does. He just knows how to keep a good poker face as he does fucked up shit. And if that even means shooting a guy who owes the money, but as a parent, he does it, but he doesn't enjoy it. So maybe he's a little semi-justified in criticizing his boss and saying, boss, hey, I do fucked up shit, but I don't jerk off to it. And the, the irony was Frank was laughing at it. And uh, it kind of reminded me of this. It, there's a similar partnership between the two characters, Alejandro and uh, Matthew from uh, Sicario. The characters played by Josh Brolin and uh, Benicio del Toro. Benicio, and you know, I'll probably talk about Sicario one day, and hopefully soon, because that's a film I really love. Benicio del Toro's character is basically a stone-cold killer. He is a monster, based on the evil things he does, for some notion of a greater good he believes in. And uh, Josh Brolin's character, Matt, does similar things, but based on the way that they're contrasted, it seems like Josh Brolin's character definitely gets more enjoyment out of it. And not in a way where it's portrayed as sadistic so much as gaggy fun, or at least he's learned to enjoy it through the absurdity of actually going against it. I mean, I guess Josh Rowland put it like this. My character is a guy who could probably, yeah, I mean, I don't remember the exact quote, but he basically illustrated his character. He could see his character ordering a drum strike while playing ball with his kid. And he definitely gets a kick out of watching uh, John Bernfall's character being tortured by, by Benicio del Toro. But in a way where he's just learned to do it because he's like, my God, is he actually still trying to negotiate Jesus? Oh, well, uh, And I see that with Costello and Francis. I mean, Winston, and Ray Winston's character, Mr. French. Weird name, but I guess it's it's cute, given that I guess it's it's uh, it's like. Referencing Tim character's character, Tim Curry's character, Mr. French. I don't know why. I've never seen that character in action, so I'm just shooting them in the dark when talking about this. And it's kind of what I'm doing with this review because I'm just battling on about random shit in addition to talking about a movie I deeply appreciate, but also feel sometimes I'm unqualified to talk about it. I don't know why, because when you think about all the video essays on all the great films that we know and love, 
you always feel you're going to come up short, but hey, I think we all come up short to some way. Or as Peter Boyle's character from Taxi Driver said, we're all fucked, in a sense. And I'm not saying I'm totally fucked in this review. I'm hoping those of you listening get some enjoyment out of it. Oh, fuck, I forgot. I was talking about Matt Damon's character, Colin Sullivan, and his relationship with Vera Farmiga. But I think I already illustrated the status aspect of how a lot of the actions he takes that pertain to his identity are status-based. And I'm not the only one saying this. There's a YouTube video where I posted the link down below where it analyzes Sullivan and how a lot of his actions tied to his identity relate to this desire to use status as a moniker for identifying himself. And a lot of people do that. People do it all the time. I mean, whether it's having a good job, driving a great car, buying a big, the biggest plasma screen uh, on, to- on sale just to make them feel like they're special. Anything, really, or even getting a tattoo just to feel as though they're a badass or if people see it, they'll recognize them. Or even getting married as a symbol of status. And that's brought up in the film, too, by Alec Baldwin's character. But, again, there are many things that can ascribe a sense of identity to us to a point where we can, it can either create a lot of misconceived certainty or a lot of uncertainty that's turned into a form of repression. Again, there's a lot of duality in the film that departed, and that's just what really interests me about it. It's a film that I can probably watch a multitude of times, and I'm still going to have loads of questions, and that's what makes a great film a great film. You're all, And uh, I guess... God, what's his name? Oh, God, I forgot the director's name, but he once... There was a director I really love who directed... Uh, he was part of Monty Python, and he directed... Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I cannot believe I'm blanking on his name because he is a great director. I love Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He once said that the difference between Spielberg and Kubrick is that Spielberg gives you answers. He gives you nice answers, comforting answers. And that's good. That can be good from time to time. But Kubrick always left you with questions. And I think that's what the best filmmakers do. They leave you questions. They give you that idea. And Nolan said this in an interview with uh, Elvis Mitchell. He said that when, when he did that thing with Batman Begins, he wasn't teasing a sequel. He was just playing with the idea that the characters that he just that you saw in the film will continue to exist even after the screen cut and it cuts to black and the credits roll. And I think that's what great films do. They, you, they leave you the kind of questions that make you, that pertain to the characters and the decisions they made, the impact they have, and the identities they held so much so that you wonder to yourself, what's gonna happen, what, what do you think happens after the, the credits roll or the screen goes to black? And for those of you who've seen The Departed, you know the ending of the film. Mark Wahlberg's Sergeant Dignam kills Colin Sullivan after Leo DiCaprio's been killed, after he, uh, Jack Nicholson's been killed, and he just disappears. Now, nat- on the surface, it looks like the perfect revenge, the perfect just desserts for a guy who basically spent the whole movie lying, bullshitting people that he was this particular person, or just or just using a, all sorts of deceptive tactics that ultimately led to the death of a good man, or several good people in the film. But there are also analysis videos that are pertaining to a deeper nature to the fact that Dignam did it, given that there was a, there was a long absence in the film where he just disappeared and wasn't around anymore, especially after Martin Sheen's death. So 
I don't know. Uh, that's something that's new to me. I mean, there are men, I've heard some theories that he was probably a rat himself and he was just trying to eliminate Colin Sullivan. Again, that's the great thing about the ending. It still leaves you with questions. And uh, hopefully this review will leave you with questions. And if anybody ever wants to be on this podcast to talk film or even talk about the particular film I just discussed... You have my contact information down below. You can always follow me, reach me on my inst- on Instagram, Twitter, or any of the other social media channels I got. And uh, please check out the crypto buying links because in addition to entertaining people with these reviews, I mean, I'm not giving financial advice, but if you're into Bitcoin and want to earn some bit extra Bitcoin, check out the links down below because, I mean, there are great rewards down there and uh, I'd feel like a complete asshole for not telling you about it. But then again, as Peter Boyle says, we're all fucked. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed this. I gotta pee.